Hi, Sarah Heppler. Hi, Nancy Rommelman. <laughs> I would just like our audience to know that I've already managed to annoy Sarah before we're even on air. It's, it's okay. Not my, it's not my you fault. You didn't annoy me. You didn't just, annoy me. I just confused you. Um, well, uh, hello from New York City, where we have entered the season of everything is either hot or too cold because you've got these um, steam radiators that like go on strike until it becomes like 40 degrees in your apartment. And then they're like, oh, you're cold. And then they just blast you till it's 90. So right now I'm about to get blasted in case I start dripping well, my clothes off. Hello from Dallas, Texas, where it's oh. been unseasonably warm and there's also just been a lot of rain. And I need to rake my leaves outside because the leaves keep falling, but they're all wet. And are the cicadas there? I noticed this buzzing sound. Last night I took a walk, a lovely stroll with some hot chocolate, and I looked, uh, I was with Sarah. Somebody, and- it's like a Hallmark moment. There. I know. Oh, okay. I know it was. And, and well, we were looking at Christmas lights because I live on a street that has a lot of really beautiful Christmas lights. Oh, and there was a noise that I thought was like an electric buzzing, but I think it was some sort of maybe cicadas. I don't know. I'm really bad with animal noises, but I live in this area where there's just like all these different, like this swirl of sounds. It's really interesting. One day I will know nature. In the meantime, I'm just like in Plato's cave, like, what the hell is that noise? Is that a rattlesnake? Is that a possum? I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> Do your best animal noise. <laughs> what was that? Wait. I don't know. On. What was it? Okay. <gasps> I used to have a, a frog. There's a Say frog that, that is mating and it's in the pond behind... Uh, my house and they they call it fred no frank frank okay and it is so loud yeah my mom has a pond a little pond and it's sometime i think it's in the spring they get these things they think they're called peepers oh man are these things loud they are so 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 loud it's all about mating and it goes on for a couple of months and then they um they quiet down so sarah i Nancy. guess i wanted to ask you um uh, I guess I'm just going to launch into it. So I said something to you recently that I don't actually think I've ever used the phrase. I okay. used the phrase, I was going to hate watch something, which I've, I've heard before, but I've just never thought about it. But there was a show that was coming on and I saw the ads and I was like, I was kind of titillated by it. And then I thought, you know, it's probably, it's probably going to be terrible, but I'm just going to watch it. I'm going to hate watch it. And I told you that and you said, well, let's do it. So we coincidentally at the same time the other night, were watching the same thing. What were we watching, Sarah? It was porn. It was Pornhub. And it was the uh, <laughs> lesbian category that you, oh, wait. Oh, is this a, you wanted a different story. Sarah. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. That was Thursday. And what we were watching the other day before that was Harry and Meghan on Netflix. All I can say is, okay, I got, I actually have a, a bunch to say about this. Um, so I will say just to sort of, as sort of an overview, uh, it was like a 54 minute luxury brand advertisement. All right. Okay. To be fair, it's several episodes. You just right. only watched one. I, and I got so whatever it. you think is a luxury ad. It's time six or something That's right. like that. And I and I'm going to tell you that I don't think the methodology is going to change because you know it's not really the the way this is produced is is not the fault of Harry or Megan though. One has to assume that they approved this. Um, it's it's the production company and the director. It's. Um, it's just, it, it truly is like watching, uh, uh, you know, a 54-minute a perfume ad where there's, you know, it's just like glancing shots of a hand and then music, music under everything, which I find extremely annoying in productions to begin with. And then absolutely 9,500 glamour shots. Am I, am I exaggerating? I actually, I don't actually think I am exaggerating. 9,000. 400 but okay, fair so, enough okay so what did what were, can what, i okay 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 back up i wanted to watch this uh because i wanted to please you a but b 
I don't get why people are so fired up about that couple. I just don't care about them. Like, I don't, I don't, they're not interesting to me. I don't get involved in it. And people get so fired up about them. And I was like, you know what? I need to watch. I need to watch this. And I'm going to, I came to it with an open mind. But like right around the time, we must have been like almost exactly in sync. Because I remember just sitting there going like, oh, my God, how boring are these people? So and then you texted me like, they are the most boring couple ever. That I, I think I said that it, I, I'd rather watch a, a one-hour Purinic catch-out commercial. It you just, did. It was. You did. It was, you know, okay, I'm going to give you some things that I learned. Okay. I learned that they met because a friend posted a Snapchat picture of Megan on her Instagram. I know that probably made no sense to people, but they she, they took one of these Instagram pictures where Meghan Markle kind of looks like a puppy dog and she put it on her Instagram and Harry was like, who's that? And this marks the first time in history that a guy has ever found Snapchat filters sexy. I mean, when she says looks like a puppy dog, like the little puppy dog ears were yeah. on, her, on her head, a little filter. Um, okay. Uh, that, and yeah. also, I would also like to take this opportunity to tell everyone to post my cutest picture on their Instagram feed. I think we said this last time. I think we talked about like if people are going to post pictures of us, they need to just use the best one. So let's just let's just keep yeah. That in I'll mind. make them available yeah. to you, and yeah. then you, I'll make some of my greatest, sexiest photos available to you, That's and right. then you can post them on your Instagram feed, and then maybe somebody very exciting will say, "Who's that?" Who's that girl? And so that's what Prince Harry did. And then they got together. Um, and I will tell you, because I'm a sap and because unlike you, I love love. <laughs> I found the scenes of them courting and the little pictures of them and their little secret world where nobody knew that they were dating and they were... Phone, yeah. calling each other on the phone and they were texting yeah. each other. I yeah. found it very sweet. Yeah, th- nobody knew they were dating. And yet somehow there were 700 different images to show us in this particular bit about their life. Um, I will. <laughs> I didn't think about that. But, yeah. you know, um, OK, but when you're in love, you want to document it. You have a million pictures of yourself. It's I love I love this part of it. They fell in love and it is sweet. And you know, but this is a story about the 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 like duel between duty, duty to family, duty to you know, govern whatever in his case and personal happiness and love. And these things come into conflict in this story. And I think that's one of the reasons why it is a very significant story, because we used to live in a society that was more about duty and sacrifice. We have moved into a society that is more about individual freedom and happiness. They represent a sort of elite version of that. Well, I think that to go back to what you said about why are people interested? I mean, the monarchy has been a fascination for centuries, right? It was less in America, but, you know, we don't have a monarchy. So we, we you know, we used England's and there was, you know, less avenues of entertainment or less avenues of sort of entitled people. So they, they have been fascinating. So that's one reason I think why we did tune in. Have we been tuning out a bit? Yes. So the family's also been sort of fracturing. And sometimes when I think not that I spend a whole lot of time thinking, but like entering some of those castles, they just must be so dusty and musty and old. And oh, you yeah, it always you just, just like smells. Give me a give me a mid century, you know, house in California any day. But um, I also think, and anybody that watched The Queen, which was pretty good, I didn't see all of it. I saw a bunch of it, or anyone that has followed history and seen, you know, Edward the Eighth, who who you know uh, uh, abdicated the throne in order to uh, marry the divorcee Wallace um, Simpson. I think they were also one of the great romantic Nazis. stories. Yeah. In in any case, um, this is, and then also, if you watch The Queen, um, Princess Margaret was not allowed to marry the man she loved, and then we had the whole thing with Diana. It's you know, it's sort of like yes. Yeah, very much duty or love. Now, one thing I will say I found moving or somewhat moving, but you're not, okay, a show like this, everything moves very, very, very quickly. I mean, they are, look, they're of that generation. They met via Snapchat and Instagram. It's image, 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 image. She is also a television star. And I think she also may have done some 
or um, no, I mean, I just, it's not, it's not clear to me how big of a show Suits was in Canada. I, I had never heard of it. I did not. She I, was also on Deal or No Deal. They never mentioned that part. She I was mean, a, no, a, a reality? Deal or no, she was one of the, the suitcase openers on Deal oh, or No Deal, okay. that Howie Mandel she show. Was, how about an American semi-celebrity? I, I don't really know that much about Meghan Markle. I don't know if I've never heard of her before she got together with Harry. I will say, as I'm saying, these shows do not allow you to stretch out and and enter a story with subtlety. However, you do spend some time with Harry alone. And from and I don't know if the producers did this deliberately or if it's just his his the thumb of his personality will press impress itself on you. Um, he does seem to have been born a watchful person, okay? And he 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 was forced to be in the public eye from the minute he came out of the womb, essentially, and um, seemed kind of quiet yeah. and seemed to not want to have to sort of do the dog and pony show, which um, some of his relatives are better at than others. You know, his brother, who will be king someday, William, um, seems more preternaturally suited to sort of, you know, be there and do the waving with his very put together and attractive wife and the, all this. Harry seemed um, to want to repair to Africa and to Botswana. And he was in the military for a long time and sort of, sort of uncomfortable with uh, having to be in the spotlight. And then who does he marry? He marries a woman who loves, not only does she you know, this is her career, but she, you can also tell she loves it. And she's also quite, quite, quite pretty. Oh, she, I, that was one of my yes. big takeaways is yeah. just how gorgeous she is. She's she is. really beautiful. No, she is. And the camera loves her. The camera, yes. there, there's no doubt. And Harry, Harry is, um, not, not beautiful. To, no, he's not. And he's not particularly, he, I thought he was he's, quite somewhat fetching when he was enough. younger, but you, uh, what's happened, and I, I got to tell you, I don't think I'm going to be watching any more of it, but we kind of all know the story that depending on who you hear the story from, um, Megan was not accepted. There were some charges of racism. I do, I if I had to make a snap judgment, whenever I would say, well, you knew you, what you were marrying into or you should have known. And even though it is a new day, um, you can't expect this, you know, however many decades, centuries, uh, uh, millennia monarchy to change to suit you. And, and, it, and clearly it didn't. And she felt that she was unfairly treated and um, her husband sided with her. And they basically, I think have, I, if I'm, if I'm getting this right, they've sort of um, not abdicated, but I don't think they have any role within the monarchy at all. No, and I they're not like the think- Duke and Duchess of Sussex, aren't they? Well, but I, I don't think they have any more responsibilities and I don't think they have any more money from from monarchy well um race was a very interesting uh thread here i I watched a little bit of the second episode which goes into her megan's backstory you know you get to meet her mother who is black um one of the things megan says is that growing up she never really thought about herself as anything like she kind of didn't fit but she never really thought about the race thing and so what's interesting is that the race thing in the press doesn't become a deal until it the english tabloid gets a hold of it which sort of goes against the grain of the idea that that america is the racial hellscape and everybody else is so is so progressive it's really um, it's the British press that make a really big deal about her being half I wonder, black. I wonder, though, and, and I'm sure that is correct, but the 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 British press is just, you know, famously carnivorous and yeah. they're going to get whatever they can on you and just splash it out there. So I wonder if it wasn't that if it if it would have been something else. I mean, I don't I don't know. But yeah. And, and, you know, and Megan has a real, uh, I think this is how I would describe it, like a warm, um, kind of attention seeking, charming, cutesy personality. And I think Brits see that as like obnoxious and loud, a certain kind of Brit. 
There's a point where she makes a joke about having to curtsy and she does like a dramatic curtsy and kind of rolls her eyes at it. I laughed at this because the idea of curtsying is absurd to me. I'd love to curtsy. Well, I just it, if if somebody were like, you've got a curtsy, I'd be like, um, OK. And so what she did was completely looked completely normal to me. But I think that it offended many, many, many English people. That was a moment that got snapped up by Twitter as just like an F you Meghan Markle moment because um, it felt like she was making fun of their of their traditions. Now, now I sympathize with her, but I'm going to tell you something else about Sarah Heppola. Like I probably should not be marrying into British monarchy with my pictures of me flipping off the camera and my cigarette dangling out of my mouth. Like I don't, I'm not going to fit there. So the fact that I relate to Meghan Markle might not speak well of her future in this incredibly duty bound and proper family. And the fact that Harry doesn't really still makes this decision to be with her. He loves her. Love knows no rules, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it it's going to be a problem. He seems lost. Yeah. They, you know, they had... Um, a detail that they they told in the second episode um, that I, I wrote down because I wanted to tell you um, for their engagement party. Uh, this is how cute they were as a couple. Everyone wore animal onesies and they wore penguin onesies because penguins mate for life. Oh, this is just excruciating to me. <laughs> As someone who never had an engagement party or even a wedding. So. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot go to your engagement party. I'm so sorry. Oh God. I, I got I, I, sick I had, with COVID had, in the future. I had to go to one. I've got to, in, in, I think entirety, I went to one. So I know what a baby shower is. I've been to a couple of baby showers. Um, but I went to a wedding shower. Did you know that there's such a thing as a wedding shower? There's it's a like, shower for everything. I've gone to divorce okay. showers. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you give someone at a divorce? I gave him a salad shooter because I was like, this looks like something you might need in your divorce life. I, and I, and I, what's I had a salad shooter. Yeah. Well, it well, was no, the nineties. What is it? What is it? What's a salad shooter? Salad shooter. It's you, like a spinner. You, it's a spinner. Oh, a salad spinner. Okay. Yeah. Here in New York, we call them spinners, not shooters. You're from Texas. Everything's a shooter down there, no, right? Girl, girl it's a commercial. Shooter. It's a commercial. Okay. You, you, your New York <laughs> snobbery is showing. You don't live amongst the hoi polloi that have to watch. This is back in the day when we had to watch television and see the commercials. We didn't have DVRs. <laughs> we didn't have those things. Back in the flyover country, we sat through entire commercials and then we learned them and we sang them to each other at parties when drunk and one of them was salad shooter i don't even know if that's really i don't even know if that's really the the commercial but i'll tell you i remember at the time thinking why do we give people presents when they're getting married they're happy we should give people presents when they're getting divorced that's when yeah. they need to surround them and uh. i'm gonna give you the gifts that you never got in your marriage anyway i went to the one wedding shower and i i it's a too long a story but my my husband dropped me off and i was like yeah come back at like three i'll call you and i i was there half an hour i was like you need to come get me He's like, what? I was like, I said, that's what like, I always do. I literally showers. said, I'm like, oh, I gotta go. I, gotta I said, go. I'm going to go. jump on this glass coffee table and break it. If you do not I, mean, I have, I have nothing against weddings or babies. I'm pro no, both of them. But me here's me the problem. Any party where somebody, we're all going to sit around and watch someone open a present. I'm like, I'm tapping out. And then someone's sitting next to there writing the little card so you can write the thank you card. I had to get the fuck out of there. Okay, it's not not my my, my thing. Anyway, I thought Harry mm -hmm. looked lost, and I felt I felt for him. I mean, I I'm not going to watch any more of it. I think just be, just because the it's really grotesque. There, it's also I'm sorry for the for whoever's producing it, and I don't know maybe for Harry and Meghan. I don't know how they structured this. It just kind of felt like a money grab. Like there was nothing really. There was no depth to it. It was so, it was so, it, again, it was like a Bloomingdale's advertisement. If Bloomingdale's still exists, I think it does. And it just was, 
it felt like, oh, we better make this now while people are still paying attention. You're not actually like letting anything develop. It's like when you make bread, like you got to let the stuff rise for a while before you're going to get anywhere. If you just like keep checking it and punching it down, it's just not going to become anything. And it just, it, that's what it felt like to me. Underdone. Well, yeah. I, I saw a tweet uh, by Dan Savage, and I think he speaks for all of us when he says, all I want for Christmas is for Caitlin Flanagan to write about Harry and Meghan. The oh, show. please. Oh, I, I beg her. She's also, guys, if you're not following and reading Caitlin Flanagan, you are. We're going to put so many links here in the show notes because she is one of our absolutely most cherished and best um, voices writing it. And for the past 20 years, and and she can be funny and she can be incredibly poignant and and just so incredibly right on. So we're going to put Caitlin Flanagan is, I mean, Caitlin Pacific is her Twitter handle. Yeah. She wrote a, an amazing piece about Harry and Meghan when they did the Oprah interview and it's uh, from 2021. But I, I wondered if it, if it would be okay if I, if I uh, read a little passage from it now to close Please. this out. Harry sat there beside her, 7,000 miles from home, in the land of rich Californians and Meyer lemons and eucalyptus trees trailing Spanish moss. He had plighted his troth to this unexpected and very beautiful woman. He had hurt his grandmother and alienated his father and his only brother. He had thought that having a bishop of color deliver the homily at his wedding would reverse a thousand years of English racial attitudes, but he'd been wrong about that. He was a combat veteran, a prince, the grandson, great-grandson, and great-great-grandson of English monarchs. And now he was going to have to think up some podcasts. (laughs) Such a good The way she lands that last line. Incredible. She just lands like the triple Lutz. It's so good. All right. So we're we're closing that out. Um, And we're going to move on to some other TV stuff. And I am very, not first of all, Beloved podcast partner. What's the name of this episode? This episode? Oh, this podcast. Well, I'm, now there's a reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. Now, now I'll it right at the morning it comes out. <laughs> I'll tell you then. <laughs> Just gonna back the up actual show yes. is called Smoke Em If You Got Em. So, I want to say, speaking of smoke em, smoking them as you've got them, uh, you are slightly... Um, compromised by having turned in edits on a story today. And so... Yes. So that was what I was going to say, my beloved podcast partner. I just, for the heck of it, when we talked about Caitlin Flanagan landing her last section there, I finished my last little section today and I was I was quite happy with it. And it was just a short little paragraph and I sent it over to Hepala and she, she gave me the thumbs up. But uh, I am a little spun. I've been working uh, pretty hard on a piece should be out in the next couple of weeks. And as I told Sarah before we got here, I know that I'm working very, very hard when I look about my otherwise impeccably clean house and there are like dirty bowls around because I've just been like eating oatmeal at weird hours. But I did just wash the dishes and the edits are in. So um, we'll keep you posted about that. And I think we also have to say before we move forward, we have a shout out, don't we, Sarah? We do. We do. I believe we are saying... Welcome, Aaron, to the Smoke Em If You Got Em family, uh, because your sister Robin just bought you a gift su- subscription. And we invite any of our other listeners. Of course, there are always little buttons in the show notes. You can give a gift subscription. And if you do, we will give a shout out to whoever you gave it to. So happy holidays, Aaron. It's good to have you here and good to have you in the comments section if you feel like getting there. And maybe you, listener are thinking, I have not done any Christmas shopping, Hanukkah shopping, Kwanzaa shopping. Uh, do they? Do, I don't know if they do that. Um, and you're thinking, what could I get? That's right. My family, friends, like-minded peers, work colleagues. We're going to offer that a Smoke Em If You Got Em gift subscription is the perfect answer for many reasons, one of which you don't have to leave your home. You don't have to go to the mall Oh, is there even malls? I, you know, there are malls still, Nancy. They exist out here in flyover country, and some of us go there to buy salad shooters and, <laughs> and, and we shop at the limited. And 
there was a mall in Portland uh, when I first moved there called the Lloyd Center. And we used to take my daughter there because we'd moved her up from LA and she just was just appalled at, at how Portland was not Los Angeles. I remember walking her through the Lloyd Center and she she looked at everybody and she goes, ugh, everyone here is so hot topic, which was not a um, compliment. Anyway- yeah. You know that I have a deep attachment to the mall um, as the public square and as the wallpaper for generations of children who are not you. And that I we we promised early in an episode that we would do a pro con on malls one day. And we've got to do that sometime. We will do that. Uh, Okay, then I'm going to save what I was going to say. Yes, I will save it. what I was going to say. But I think one of us who's had some brain power, I, I've been working till ungodly hours. Um, I think one of us has been paying attention to a little more uh, of what's going on in the entertainment world. And I thought um, I would listen to you talk about that. Well, yes, I've been paying attention. And today, Nancy Rommelman, the Golden Globes nominations dropped. I know that normally you keep a reminder on your phone to tell you when the Golden Globes drop. And I know this because before we started, you said Golden Globes. That's TV, right? And I said, no, no, that's movies and TV. But it is understandable that you would get it confused because Emmys, Oscars, they're separated. Golden Globes, it's all this kind of like mishmash. It's the ceremony done by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Now, given your depth of knowledge of the Golden Globes, I'm wondering if you remember that they didn't even happen last year. Because, okay, hold on. This is Wait, like it's coming. stump the chump. They had a, someone was supposed to host it. And then that host got his or her Titneringer was it? Ricky <laughs> Gervais? Like no, I don't know. this is the Oscars. This is the Oscars, oh, but okay. I love this. And I really liked the phrase tit in the ringer. And that was Kevin Hart, who was okay. supposed to host the Oscars one year. Okay. And, and then, then I think the they box. brought three women on. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, that was a different thing. This okay. was different. I actually didn't even remember it. Um, and just so our listeners have a little bit of background, I grew up like an award show junkie because like I was a, suburban child that didn't have a lot of life and was obsessed with pop culture. So I really have an attachment to these award shows, but like over the last, I would say 20 years, I mean, it's just sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like going back or like watching the movie that you thought was amazing when you were 16 and you're like, this is not very good. Um, I have lost my enthusiasm for them. Uh, They seem increasingly irrelevant. And yet it is not hard to tap in to that little 10-year-old Sarah that planned her whole year around the schedule of these award shows and dreamed of being on the stage one day. Um, Okay, so last year... The Golden Globes was canceled because of fallout from a report by the Los Angeles Times on the ethical lapses of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And the most damaging of the revelations was that of the group's 87 members, how many do you think were black? Seven. Zero. Oh, that that's zero. Oh, it's kind of telling. Zero is hard. Zero is kind of hard to get around. <laughs> that's well. That okay. Well, you have a point there. Eighty-seven <laughs> members, zero black. So they were like, "We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna cancel the oh, ceremony." Okay, so I got I got to back up because maybe our listeners understand. So this is the foreign press corps. There are no black members. And do the foreign press corps determine who the Golden Globe nominees are and the winners? Yeah. Okay. So basically every single person that is determining what's nominated and what's, uh, what wins is not black. We don't know what yeah, their I think demographic how it works is. is that they're, I, I they're think how black. it works is that the members vote on the categories and then they have voters that, okay. um, Okay. Select the winners. And what we knew from this Los Angeles uh, Times report was that there were zero so, black members. Okay, before so they we just get started, the award show. And they're back. I, well, okay, that's good. And but, but before we get to the, them being back, I do want to say I know absolutely nothing about how 
this 87 board member Nor board is made up. And I would definitely have to know before I was like, well, we need to cancel this because X, you'd kind of have to know, like you'd have to do so forensic and say, okay, well, that's what we're dealing with. How did we get here and why? And then, no, you know, you don't have to do on. any of that stuff, Nancy Rommelman, because it's 2021 and people are mad. And somebody said on Twitter and it's canceled. Oh, I keep forgetting about that shortcut. I yeah. just keep forgetting about it. That's Damn. what happened. Okay. okay. So All they're right. back. They're back. And the group now has 21 new journalists as its members. And it's added 103 voters who are not members. And they can now say that more more than 10% of its voter base are black. Okay. Okay. Um, so welcome back, Golden Globes. And now, Stump the Chump, I'm going to ask you about... Great. What movie do you think was the most nominated movie of the year? It's called something like Everything All the Time or something. I, I don't know what it is. Something okay. Like that. Uh, you are playing a little bit coy right now because I happen Everything to know all that the- you saw that movie and it, it was called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, I didn't like it. And you didn't like it and I, I loved it. Well, everybody loved it. I, it's not that I hated it. I just didn't love it. I felt it was too long. I just didn't love it. So is that the one that's most that nominated? That was a really good guess. Okay. Because it's the number two. Okay. Do you want to guess again? Uh, God. What's uh, another movie? I see I see Nancy's head spinning and she's going, what's another movie that I'm came out to think this year? What other, what other movies that came out this year? I don't think Dune came out this year and I don't think Dune. it would have been nominated. Dune was what came up in that. This is good. This is good. Oh. Wow, I'm actually I'm you actually knowing a couple of movies. Um Oh no, I wasn't meaning Dune was a good it was, guess. I meant was Dune a was a movie. <laughs> okay, Rosemary's Dune was a movie. movie and I felt like you were in the right category because you were thinking of movies. Um I don't know, Sarah. I, I think I've just I've shot my watch. You've tapped out. Okay. I, did, I, did. Well, I think it's obvious that the answer is uh the Banshees of Inishiran. That's not a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is so random. It's the, it's the Banshees of Inishirin, uh, a film by Martin McDonough, who is a British playwright that does a lot of um, <clears throat> shows about Ireland. Um, and it stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, two Irish actors. I like Colin Farrell. I love Colin Farrell. Sexy. Sex. Sex. Sexy. Colin, call, call us. Sober. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I, I don't care. You can <laughs> have fun without alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have his. <laughs> um, yeah, I love Colin Farrell. and But I got to tell you, I saw this movie because I, I kind of like Martin McDonough. I saw a play of his called The Lieutenant of Inishmore many, many years ago. A lot of his the titles are these like names in Ireland you've never heard of. There's another one called Beauty Queen of Lenon. And, you know, so anyway, I, I saw it. It's a, it's like a black comedy. It's, you know, very violent, but like inappropriately funny, which I sort of thought was a, it had a, like a very Pulp Fiction-y feel to me. Um, and like in that, like that you're laughing at violent, like, mm-hmm. like comic violence that you shouldn't be laughing at. So I saw this movie. Um, what the hell? I thought this movie was sucked. It wow. was like, yeah, it was like a beautifully made movie that I just did not know what the hell it was about. I finished it and I, my the friend and I that saw it together, we were like, what the hell was that about? And it, and 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 it was really sad. It was like these two friends that that hang out all the time and then one day one decides not to t- speak to another. And it's the fallout of what happens. And I was like, is is this like a analogy for the troubles in Ireland or like, Mm. is this like, so I went to the internet and I was reading the reviews and everybody's like, Oh, it's just so beautiful. It's just so meaningful. I was like, I, I can't figure this movie out at all. What does it mean? If it means so much, what does it mean? And the, the performances are great. If I knew what they were doing, I mean, why did I watch this movie? This movie took two hours of my time and 10 hours of my $10 of my money. 
Why did I watch it? And no one was able to answer this question for me. Hopefully somebody in the comment section can chime in and rigorously defend the Banshees of Inishirin, which is beloved by the Hollywood Press Foreign Association and its 10% black members. And, you know, I just, I just don't get it. Um, I will tell you the television shows that got the most nominations. Oh, let me guess. Let me see. Hold on. Um, uh, secession is not in this list. Okay. Uh, white Lotus. Yes. Um, cause I do watch, I do watch some TV. Oh, yeah. You do watch some television. Um, Another one we've talked about on the podcast, but, and I think, and you've watched some of it. What is it? And it's very controversial. What is it? Dahmer. Oh, did I watch part of Dahmer? Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. the monster inside Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer you know, story. Yeah, I'm trying to... I actually don't think I actually did ever get to it. Uh, but I am interested in it because my impression... Now, you saw part of it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. You saw the whole thing. My impression is that it it addresses it in a somewhat unusual way. It's- yeah, because it looks at the way that people of color, when they were like both the victims and the people that complained about Dahmer when he was doing the weird thing, they were marginalized and they were like ignored because they were seen as sort of expendable. Like there's a black neighbor that makes this right, I remember, call yeah. at 911 and they yep. use the actual call and it is so upsetting. It is one of the most upsetting oh, right. moments in television that right. I've seen this year. Then remember there was also that episode that was done a lot in silence because his victim was deaf. I haven't seen it. We'll add, we did have a really good long conversation about this. I hadn't seen it. I haven't seen it, but we will put a link to the episode, which is now the second time that we've done show notes that when we're talking about something, it's like, oh, we already talked about this in in a previous episode. When you were talking about this new um, movie um, and how you're like, what the hell is going on here? I went, remember going to see Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, which everybody was just falling all over themselves. And mm-hmm. I go into the theater and there are about 25 people in the theater. And within the first half hour, half of them left. And my husband and I were like trying to muscle through. I was, it was excruciating. I couldn't take it. And we finally left. And okay, then- so, so I'm going to say, uh, this is interesting. We really don't agree on some movies. I absolutely loved Tree of Life. I cried wow. through the whole thing. Woo! But there were headlines about that film that people were walking out. It was it was, oh, it was famously incredible. despised incredible. Yeah, I, by, I, by so many people. And I went into it knowing that a lot of people had walked out, which, you know, I do think expectations really form a great deal of our of our experience of art. But I went in there kind of expecting I was going to get easily bored and I gave myself permission to leave. And instead, I got like sucked into this like visual meditation that like washed over me and I was weeping. I mean, Terrence Malick is unbelievable. I mean, I just, I think what he does is operating on like a not verbal level. And that's why it's so repellent to certain people because it's operating on some sort of like visual level or or like like uh mythological almost like uh, what am i trying to say primal what's that guy do uh joseph campbell and his mythologies oh, and all yeah. that archetype archetype that's what i was kind of think, trying to think you know but that's but yeah yeah tree of life is despised magnolia is another despised movie and that's my favorite oh, I- that's my I, favorite movie. I like Magnolia. I have to do something. I, I didn't really know that I was going to do this, but I have to hijack the TV conversation for three minutes. Okay. And I think that this show Please. actually might be on the list. And if it's not on this particular Golden Globes list, I can tell you it was named, if not best, one of the top 10 TV shows of 2022 by Variety, by New York Magazine, by the New York Times, often the top show. And that show would be Reservation Dogs that my daughter was set to career on it. People are going, are, are falling all over themselves to talk about this show. And, and I can't remember who it was, if it was entertainment weekly, but of all the TV shows, meaning episodes of a show, just like we're having an episode here, every TV episode of 2022, the number two episode 
was the one that my daughter was in, where she played the spirit guide. It's episode eight of season two of Reservation Dogs. Amazing. So I would, and when you talk about crying throughout, when I saw her in the show, I watched it. I was here with a good friend of hers and his girlfriend. I I was weeping the entire time, not just because it's my kid, but something I've talked about very, very, very often on this show, which is, you know, knowing her father, knowing her grandfather, both actors, and and trying to get Hollywood to treat natives with any sort of dignity in terms of the roles that they could have. Just let me play a cop. Let me play a housewife. Let me play a dentist. Let me be funny. And not only has Reservation Dogs done that, they've transcended it. They've got, they almost leapfrogged into the next thing where it, it can present something with so much humor, so much pathos, and also just the ability to make you weep. And I'm not the only one. And then if I may, and she'll kill me if she heard me say this, but she jumped off a of reservation dogs onto a small film in Tulsa right afterwards. I visited her out there when I was uh, doing a, a story for Barry Weiss when I went to Kansas, a little film called Fancy Dance, which is is going to Sundance. Wow. No doubt. And my, daughter, my daughter's going to go. So I am like, I'm, I'm, I'm already so raw today from all the writing I've been doing, but um, it's really something else. And I, now I'm, I'm going to let you tell me whether or not reservation dogs is on any of the Golden Globes lists? Well, it is not. <gasps> I have to go now. <laughs> but I will say, you know, um, you've talked a lot about Reservation Dogs and, yeah. and your daughter is a part of it. Um, and so listeners might think fairly, you know, that you're a little bit biased. Um, but I have to say, like this year in particular, I have heard so many people rave about that show, people that have no association to you or me or, and you know, any, you know, they just, th this is the year that movie really caught fire. I know it had caught fire in critical circles before, but uh, people really love it. So I, um, I think sometimes people think, you know, because it's got a native base, I think and I don't know if this is true. It could be my my smallness of mind. But sometimes people think like, oh, well, yeah, it, it's going to be good because it's like, you know, it's like a native thing. And we want right, to be it's dull but worthy. It's going to be, be something that's like, oh, we have you, to watch this because it's about it's oh, worthy. Oh, and we should oh, do, oh. you. You have no idea. It is it is so surprising. You're there's it. The, the, you can't anticipate what this is until you go walk into it. And you're like, this is so much fun. It's so it's and it's like nothing you've ever seen. So obviously we're rec we're recommending it. Okay, keep so going. So the other fun. shows that that uh, television shows that got the most nominations in addition to The White Lotus and Dahmer were The Crown. Do you watch okay. that? I watched part of it. Yes, and I and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I watched. Yes, my parents love themselves some yeah. Crown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pam and Tommy. Oh really? Yeah. I I first of all, I don't. I didn't even. That kind of like flashed across my vision for a second. I wouldn't have remembered that it existed. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like a little <laughs> short series, um, and you know, like Seth Rogen was in it, and then the people playing Pam and Tommy looked really good. They looked really similar. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. The first episode, and I was like, this just isn't for me. It, it was a little like the comedy was a little broad, and I just didn't like it, even though I'm actually really interested in that story um, because theirs is the first sex tape that really yep. becomes a phenomenon and, and it becomes a phenomenon because of the internet. Yep. Um, and then people started feeling like they, oh, wow, I can make this and get famous. I think I remember Paris Hilton, right? Making a sex tape. Well, I, I know, but I, I, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I really do think Paris Hilton did not give consent for that. Oh, that, that's, I'm not sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I misspoke. I don't mean making, but it was like the second one, but then obviously. Oh yeah. People Paris Hilton made one famously uh, with her, her creepy ass boyfriend at the time. She was really young. She was so loaded. If you look at it, she looks completely wasted. And, and I, I thought about writing a story about this actually, because uh, kind of like after I got sober and I was thinking about drinking and, and sex and, and like just those sex tapes are really like you go back and it's like, everybody was just like, ha 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 ha. ha. And then you enter this era where everybody's like, if she had any anything to drink, it's rape. And I'm like, okay, do you guys not remember when we were watching the sex tape seven years ago and everybody was laughing about it? Like, how do you yeah. how do you make sense of this in your mind? Of course, culture doesn't have to. Um, they just change their mind and memory hole it. Um, 
but I do think uh, my suspicion is that that Paris Hilton did not want that video out. But then when it came out, she capitalized on the shit out of it. Well, and her personal assistant at the time, who was Kim Kardashian, followed the lead. Kim Kardashian was her personal assistant. Yeah, or like her best friend. They were. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah. And then Kim then does the thing about like, oh, no, I didn't want this out. But then it's like, no, yeah, you did. Um, Because because you're seeing the the, the sort of like leveraging power that putting something like that out gives you. Um, So anyway, the crown. Oh, Pam and Tommy was what we were talking about. And the other one is only murders in the building. Oh, I couldn't watch it. I no, tried. Why? Everybody loves it. Uh, no, I just, it was just so sort of broad and, oh, here we are doing comedy. I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Martin yeah. Short, broad? No. I, don't, I don't, really? <laughs> really? I, I just didn't, it didn't, like, you know, we've talked about this before. I've said it before. When you're going into a show or a movie you got to get on the train right away. And if you're not, it's like you're just sitting there staring at it. And that's how I felt. I, I think I lasted 20 minutes and I was like, okay, I'm done. So Okay. Yeah, so there were some snubs. Okay. Obviously, Reservation Dogs was one of them. Again. Well, okay. Uh, Their loss. Will Smith was not nominated for Emancipation. His uh I, upcoming I have, slave movie, I enslaved have no person movie. Idea if anything else in the culture that we might have glanced at had anything to do with him not being nominated. I don't know. You think? What? Do you think that Will Will Smith's behavior oh. had anything to do with them not wanting to not be the person that said, "Yeah, I'll raise my hand for this dude." Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the fact that he's like banned from Oscars for ten years. Yeah. Like, so yeah. <laughs> And also, it's just, he does so many roles that are like, this is my Oscar. Like, everything he does, yeah, I just it's like capital A, capital C, capital T, I-N-G. And I, I, I actually used to love Will Smith when he was doing the, like, Independence Day and Men in Black stuff. I thought he was, like, so charming. And what now he the- does the, like, serious acting thing, and it's just, it's a drag. And then, and then he slapped somebody. So, uh, so that's not happening for him at the Golden Globes. But the big headline this year oh, yeah. is that in a year when f- I'm now reading from Variety, in a week, in a year when female auteurs such as Sarah Polly, who did Women Talking, and Gina Prince Bythewood Bithwood, who did The Woman King created some of the most critically acclaimed films. The best director category is comprised entirely of men. Spielberg and McDonough will vie for the directing trophy against Baz Luhrmann, Elvis, Daniel Daniel Schneinart, good night, and Daniel Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and James Cameron, Avatar, The Way of Water. Nancy, it's like we're back in 1920 again, fighting for the right to vote. I can't believe it. I can't. Ble- we should. They should just cancel it. Why cancel don't they cancel it. it again? I mean, come on. What's the point? Okay, so here's a question. I, I, Women Talking just came out. Kind of looks interesting, actually. Yes, kind totally of, looks you interesting. Know, um, so that's fine. I'll probably go see that. That's brand new. I had the. I don't think the Woman King did very much at the box office. That's no, my, it did. It did really well at the box office. Did it? Okay, yeah, it did great. Okay, so yeah, then, it did great. What yeah. I'm going so to say I have makes thoughts on both those films. Okay. Women Go. Talking, directed by Sarah Polly. You know, you did you see Sarah Polly's documentary, uh, Stories We Tell? It was from 2012. Mm. Or do you know who Sarah Polly is? Because she's yes, an actress. Yes, I do. She's an actress and then she's also been a director. I think I saw the a film that she directed a long time ago. Not the okay. stories we tell, something else. So but okay, what I you know theory? her like as an actress from the late nineties, like in the Sweet Hereafter and Go, and then Yeah. She put out a documentary about like family secrets in her own family called The Stories We Tell. It is really good and I highly recommend it for okay. anyone. It's just an expertly told story, like small but impactful. 
Um, she has done a movie called Women Talking. It is about, it's like one of the Me Too movies that has come out this season. It's about, I think, women in a Amish community, or maybe they're in a Mennonite. Something Mennonite, close. Yeah. Close, yeah. But the men have been very badly behaved. The women decide to fight back. It's one of these stories. And I sent you an Atlantic piece that said this was the one Me Too movie that was really worth seeing. Right. That was amazing. The other ones that it talked about where she said, which we've discussed, and Tar, the movie with um, Kate Blanchett, and that sort of discusses power imbalances. And... Anyway, the writer made a persuasive case that this was the most compelling of all the movies. I also heard from a friend that saw this movie and said she was really disappointed. So I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. But it, I don't think it's a great title. It's a terrible title. Terrible title. She said women talking. What the hell? Why? Because it's all about women's voices. But you know what? Like, like I want something, like I want forward movement I want active verbs, action. I want, you know, it's women talking. It almost sounds like you're being being scolded. It's like, it's just like, okay, like, okay, I have to sit around and watch them talk. Like, it sounds like, it sounds like women talking sounds like hell for like half the population. Yeah. And I'm part of that half of the population. Um, (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm I'm not at all. No, that's not, you know, I just, it doesn't sound, it sounds like, okay, now sit in your chair and listen. That's what it sounds like. They should just call it that. Sit in your chair for two hours and listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It has a, you, it totally has a scoldy tone. Yeah. But, you know, they thought it was good because they were like, because this is about women using their voices and they've, and also because women in community find justice through telling each other stories, okay. all of which I said in a jokey voice, but was actually profound and true. I'm, I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on that. I just do think they could have searched a little bit harder for the title. Speaking of great titles, The Woman King. Um, not, uh, not a good title. If if you haven't I mean, heard Camille Foster uh, talk about this on the fifth column, um, you need to do yourself a solid and go back and listen to him critique this movie. Just the way he says The Woman King is just, I would just listen to it all day long. It just cracks me up. I'm not going to do it because I'm Sarah Heppola and he, I'm a little Irish Finnish girl and I don't do that. But he's Camille Foster. And so... But I did also see The Woman King. I've seen a lot of movies this year, Nancy. Yeah, you have. I have not. Yeah, yeah I saw The Woman King. Um, it was not terrible. And it okay. was not... I like that actress. The... Great. And Viola yeah. Davis yeah. Yeah. was yeah. fantastic. I had never seen a female action hero that really looked like she could have been one. In other like words, you, you see stuff like, like Angelina Jolie play Laura Croft and you're like, whatever whatever yeah but you see viola davis kicking some ass and you're like yeah that could happen oh you know who else is like that is the um the woman from game of thrones the the tall oh yeah she's such a badass well she's like six foot two two twenty yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, she's she's another one that you're like oh yeah 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 i I want her in my in my army whereas like like all the like i don't know like buffy the vampire slayer type things you're like no i don't i don't believe that Okay, so anything Nothing else? Nothing against Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I never watched, and now everyone can get mad at me. I never watched it either. So uh, anything else that was snubbed that was of interest besides... Oh, so let's get back to the... to the. Okay, so I was going to say, well, maybe you should look at box office because some places are more arty with their, with their awards. Some places are more popular. Uh, the films that you mentioned that the dudes had directed, I'd heard of some of them. They seemed like they were pretty big. They seemed like they opened more broadly. They seemed like they opened earlier in the year. I'm not, I mean, we know that people release films right near award season because they want it to be like all hot and fresh from the oven. Um, but, you know, it's okay. It's okay that no women were nominated. I don't, well, I don't, I mean, I don't axiomatically see that as like, anti-woman i mean really are we we are not it's a different day here guys i i believe it is i don't believe that there would be this like sub rosa recent you know back in the well you know we would we would you know we would uh well though let me take this back a second now now here's something because spielberg is nominated right yeah spielberg is nominated for the fablemans which is his story that's sort of about his growing up and it's supposed to be great 
So, and I'm, you know, he, he, the guy kind of knows how to make movies. Oh, okay. God. Like he is a popcorn, sit you in your seat, movie maker guy. He's, do, the, he's like arguably the most important filmmaker of the second half of the 20th century. I do wonder though, I do wonder if people sometimes automatically vote for someone like that, not only because he's good and deserves it, but sort of like, well, we've got to vote for him. You know, yeah, can't, sure. Can't leave out Spielberg, and, and then and, someone's so. Well, then we don't get Sarah Polly. You and know, then you have Baz Luhrmann, who is like a like a firecracker of a director. Yeah. Like yeah. Elvis is, you may not may or may not like it, but you know, it's visually spectacular. It sweeps you away. It's incredible. I mean, Women Talking looks like it's a very quiet movie about women talking. You know, like. Like and and the Woman King is just not. A, I'm sorry, it's not an Oscar caliber film. It um, uh, you know, it had a lot of controversy over whether or not it was historically accurate. There was a lot of you know, there's a lot of controversy about that. It had a really good box office. It's um, you know, it it got a lot of accolades. Uh, but it's not very like I don't think it should be nominated for best director. Then you have James Cameron doing Avatar Way of Water, which is the Avatar follow-up which is supposed to be like mind-blowing, yeah. right? Yeah. And then we have the directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, you know, it's regardless win. of your attempts to cancel it. I, um I look, I appreciate that I am wrong here, okay? Regardless Every- of your wrongness, uh is it out um what is my favorite movie of the year? And it was outstanding. And I loved it. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, And who is the other person that I missed? I think that's all. But so anyway, um, I think some other dudes might be nominated. But um, yeah, you know, when you... Oh, it's Martin McDonough, the Banshees of Inishirin. Well, you know, you could have knocked him out as far as I'm concerned and slotted in a little Sarah Polly, but... Um, but well, obviously, the Hollywood Foreign Press really loved the Banshees of Inisherin. I don't get it. So, um, but you know, if you look at the percentage of women that are directing films, it is probably still incredibly a small percentage. Now, that in itself, you could say, is a problem. Fine, I'd agree. That's cool. Um, but if, but given that data set, it is not surprising that no. all the directors are male. You know, and that you're going to see a lot more. Now, if if there were no female, like, costume designer nominees, I'd be like, this is bullshit. Yeah, because because you know that they're well represented, if not more yeah. represented. That's right. So, yeah, then I'd then I'd smell something fishy. But, uh, you know, I mean. It's a, you know, it's a drag. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a director, you know, so I'm always. I'm always rooting for the female directors. And the only female directors I knew were Nora Ephron and Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling had done Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You're looking at me so blankly right no, now. No, I'm not. I, I know I know that movie. I remember also when I was a kid, there was Lina Wertmüller, who did like Seven Beauties and all these like Italian films. Oh, right. Because you yeah, grew up in New yeah. York and yeah, and we used things to, like that. Know. And I we, didn't. We, I read. We would, we would not go to movies at the mall because there was no mall. We would go to art house cinemas on 57th Street and go like, you know, every oh, Wednesday night. It hurts. Yeah, there it was. Right it. I'm sorry that one of us is so sophisticated, but I did want to say something, which is that we are bumping up against our our time we're gonna we're gonna break and go into our bonus episode where we're gonna be what are we gonna be talking about sarah hepla twitter feeding frenzies and elon musk the twitter feeding frenzies which of course all day every day people are sending each other things and comments and um but before we break i would like if you don't mind maybe you want to keep secret do you want to do you want to mention to our vast public uh non-paying subscribing audience uh that you're going to have a special uh interview coming up do you want to mention that? oh yeah that- i am okay <clears throat> yeah i'm gonna be interviewing megan down from the unspeakable podcast in a special place in hell megan's been a friend for a long time and i've been wanting to do an interview with her to talk about the single life holidays as a single person fertility marriage uh sex and gender and all the things that we are fascinated by and so she agreed to my plot my dastardly plot and she will be uh will be recording that interview later this week and hopefully put it out during the holidays when 
um, you could use a little company. Okay, so guys, thanks so much for listening to this hour. We're going into the bonus. Uh, Stick with us. Become a paid subscriber to get all the good stuff, including a really, at least for me, a super moving, moving hot box picks that I have for you guys this week. Okay, Sarah, see you in a minute. Bye. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. And I'm not proud of my address in a torn up town no postcode envy but every song's like gold teeth gray goose dripping in the bathroom bloodstains ball gowns trash in the hotel room we don't care we're driving cadillacs in our dreams but everybody's like crystal maybach diamonds on your timepiece jet planes islands tigers on a gold leash we don't care We aren't caught up in your love affair And we'll never be 